Hi, Explorers. Thanks for listening to Kids Who Explore Parent Edition. Come along with us as we cover all corners of raising kids in the outdoors. Hi, I'm Adriana Scori. I'm a hiking mom in the Canadian Rockies, Mama to Turner, and CEO of Kids Who Explore. I'm Lauren Rodick Eberly. I'm mom to Collins. We love being outside and exploring between our two homes in Seattle, Washington, and Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Today's podcast is sponsored by Kids Who Explore's Patch for a Purpose. Every time we see our patch out in the world, we feel the love and support behind it. Our patches can be sewn onto backpacks, jackets, bags, or even baby carriers, to name a few. Or they can be carried in your packs as special adventure items for all your little explorers. Our patch comes in eight different colors, and a dollar from each patch goes to a, you guessed it, purpose. Your support can make a difference for all of the following charity groups, depending on which color patch you want to represent. Alberta Parks, Children's Disability, BIPOC and Anti-Racism, Sick Children, The Earth, Children's Wellbeing, Anti-Bullying, and Children's Mental Health. Check out the hashtag Patch for a Purpose to see our patch and the community behind it. That's hashtag Patch, the number four, a purpose. To get your patch today, visit www.kidswhoexplore.ca. We thank you in advance for the difference you are making. It's amazing, really. It all started with a mom, her baby, and water. Kaylee Kennedy taught her oldest son to swim as a baby, and it bonded them in such a beautiful way. It inspired Kaylee to open up Saskatoon Swim School in the fall of 2014, when her son was just a year old. Her overall philosophy of teaching beginners to swim is to do so as effectively and safely as possible. But it did not end there. In came K&K Swim School throughout Canada. Then with the pandemic came a whole new vision, teaching babies and toddlers to swim in their own bathtubs at home. Watermelo, previously KK Online Swim School, was born. This is how I came to learn of Kaylee. I took online bathtub swim lessons with my daughter through Kaylee, and we absolutely loved it. I learned so much about how to speak and react in water with my daughter. I learned so much about the safety of water experiences, and mostly, I built a beautiful water relationship with my daughter. I love now being in open water or pools with her with so much confidence, and Kaylee, I have you to thank for that. So thank you so much, and thanks for being on today. Thank you for having me. I think that was the most beautiful introduction I've ever heard. It's amazing. I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, our experience together was definitely really fun and, and really exciting, especially because at the time I was just starting the swim school online. And you helped me a lot with the trial and error on teaching an infant and teaching parents in the water um, through an internet connection. It was It's very bizarre, the thought. Well, honestly, I didn't know how it would be for that exact reason, but now I'm going to be putting all my babies in it. <laughs> <laughs> because one of the amazing things, which we'll talk a bit more about later, is that you don't have to get out the door with your newborn. You just literally fill up the bathtub and you get in the water with them. So it was amazing. So That's Kaylee, good. can you tell us a little bit more about your family and what kind of things you like to do outside? So my family, I have two kids. I have a nine-year-old boy and my daughter is almost six. We love to be outside. I think that is a big thing about living in Canada. You got to kind of love to be outside and you have to love to uh, be in the snow. Maybe I'm just projecting that. Uh, I don't know actually if I love to be in the snow, but I love to be in water. And so for us being outside in the summertime is probably 
way more fun <laughs> than being outside in the winter. We took up skiing just because of the fact that winter is very long here in, in Quebec. Um, and my kids somewhat love it, but they love swimming so much more. So that is probably something that we love to do the most when we're outside is to be able to swim. We live near a lake. So we go swimming at the lake all the time. My kids are always at the pool. Uh, in the summer, they join competitive swim teams and synchro teams and diving teams. And so they love to do that. They don't do it so much in the winter because we really want it to be focused a lot more in the summer. We want them to love the experience and they're not very competitive kids, to be honest. So they're very artistic, but that's what we love to do uh, when we're outside is we definitely love to swim and everywhere we vacation, we go somewhere that there is a really awesome swimming experience. So whether we stay on a beach and we go surfing every day, or um, I don't know, we've been to the Great Barrier Reef and we've gone uh, snorkeling. I would love to be able to go scuba diving with my kids and get them to learn how to do that. But yeah, water is very prominent in our house and we really love to do everything around and associated with water. I love that you can all do it together, but also that you were saying that your kids aren't competitive because it is something that you can just do it because you love it and you enjoy it and you don't have to compete to do it. And it's so funny because my husband was a competitive swimmer for a very long time, for maybe 10 years of his life. He started when he was nine and then he quit when he was 21. So about 12 years, if I'm good at math. And he, he was very elite. He was very high up. He got a scholarship to University of Connecticut when he was a teenager. He got his degree from that. He almost made the Olympics. So he's traveled the world all to do with swimming. And so initially we always wanted to put our kids when we were young, obviously with young kids, our, our biggest thing is our kids have to do something competitive. It has to be something revolved around swimming. And now that my kids are a little bit older, I'm noticing that that's not so much in their personality and loving the water is what I wanted to give them the most of. And that's actually how I started to bond with my kids is by teaching them to swim. Cause that was one thing that I was really good at. I was really good at teaching people to swim. I was just a swimming instructor when I was a teenager. And so by teaching them to swim, I got to bond with them a lot. And so you're right. They completely love the element of water not because it's competitive or because they have to swim really fast, but because they genuinely just love being underwater and just playing in it. It's really cool. Oh, that's so nice. I know I talked to you about that too with music. Like that's how I did a lot of bonding with my daughter when she was young one. Well, I still do, but it's when you have something that you're good at, then you can like share that passion with them. So I'm glad you taught me how to do that with swimming, but what's your history with swimming as a kid? So you said you taught once you were in high school. Yeah. So, I mean, my history of swimming when I was a kid, I, in Montreal, there's a very large outdoor swimming community, very large. Like there's, I don't know, in, in one borough or district, there could be six pools, six outdoor pools and, and kids would just register there. And then they would join all four water sports, synchro diving, water polo and, and swim team. And then they would go and compete with the other swimming pools. And so the kids would kind of just learn how to swim basically through all of these competitive programs, which is really cool because it kind of creates a community and that's outdoor. So we would only do that in the summer. That's how I learned how to swim through those pools. There's a lot of recruitment to swimming facilities and, and different swimming programs. So like competitive programs for the winter. I was never a kid that went into winter competitive programs. And I started to not love it so much as when I was a, like a preteen. So when I was maybe 13, 14, I didn't love swimming in the summer so much because I always felt like I was never good enough or never as good as the other kids. Um, because they were all competitive swimmers and I was not. So I started to not love swimming as much. 
when I was a teenager, but I got a job as a lifeguard at one of those outdoor pools. I did not like being a lifeguard because I found it boring and it just, I don't know, it wasn't my vibe. Also, when you're a teenager, as you're a lifeguard, you're hanging out with the staff, you're partying a lot. I don't really care for any of that. I kind of just, I don't know. I just really like to be with kids and I liked my job of teaching the swimming lessons, but I didn't love the job of being a lifeguard. So from there, I opened my own private swimming lesson company as a 16 year old. I kind of just generated maybe 20 clients and I just taught them how to swim in the summer. Then I started working for a private swimming lesson organization here in Montreal. And that was a wonderful experience. I just brought all of those clients into there. And then anyways, it was, it was just really cool. So I started teaching private lessons and figured out my own way of teaching. I never really followed a curriculum. I kind of just did it the way that I wanted to play and have fun with the kids in the water. And from there, that's when I had my kids. So then I had my son and I was a dental hygienist at the time, but I still had swimming lessons on the side, teaching other kids to swim. And then when I had my son, that's when I realized how much I really loved bonding with him and teaching him to swim. So then when I had my daughter, I was way more confident in being able to do so. And we would go swimming together. Even she was a newborn and I had a three-year-old and just us three, we would go swimming at the pool and spend two or three hours at the municipal pool every Sunday afternoon. And we would just kind of hang out. And it was like my favorite thing when I was with my kids when they were really little, but that was my history of water and being with water. So you had a passion very early on then for water and it developed into your company today. That's really incredible. So I feel like I kind of know the answer to this next question that I have for you, because I saw Collins and Lauren (laughs) taking her swim lessons there on Instagram, the story updates. (laughs) So how old do you suggest for like new parents? putting their kid into swimming, how old can the baby be when they start doing swimming lessons? I think it's really dependent on where you do those swimming lessons and how you do them. You know, if you're going to teach your own child to swim, there are programs for that where you can teach them online in the bathtub. And then that's where the watermelon program comes in, right? There we say you can start at the age of three weeks, the younger, the better, because you get to crack that, that um, fear that most parents have the, the, the feeling of anxiety. When you think about submerging your baby in the water, you could just kind of crack that and talk about it and work slowly and calmly with a baby. That's probably half asleep, <laughs> to be honest, in the warm water of your bathtub on the flip of the coin. There's some people that don't have bathtubs, or there are some people that just don't feel comfortable doing it. And they would rather wait until their child is older, know that the older you wait, the harder it might be to teach submersion techniques and different ways of getting your child to go under the water, uh, especially when the psychological aspect of learning how to swim kind of comes into play. And that usually happens at around like 14, 15 months old when children start to be verbal and talk so and start to have opinions. So between that time frame would be a great time to get your child to get into the water. So whether you can get into a pool, you can start that at five, six months old, where the parent is teaching swimming in a pool where the water is a little bit colder. So just be weary of that. Or you can even teach in a warm hot tub. We've done that many times where children or babies will learn how to swim or the toddler will stand on the side of the hot tub and then they'll go under the water and then pop back up. We can do that. So there's programs with literally for everything, but we start at three weeks old. You can start any time that the child is able to be in the bath, but yeah, that's what we do. For the hot tub trip, do you suggest, what's the temperature you suggest turning it down to for a kid? Like 91, 
Okay. Anything warmer than that is just uncomfortable to put your face under. It just doesn't feel good and it dries out the skin and the chemicals aren't good. It just, yeah. I mean, any, anything, but my kids, my kids will go in a hot tub. That's like 98 and they will swim in there for 30 minutes and be yeah. extremely dehydrated. So <laughs> Kids, kids, if they like to go under the water, it doesn't matter how cold or hot the water is, they will go under it. It doesn't even matter. So anytime we go to a hot tub or like a hotel or anything, I always bring a pair of goggles because I know that they're going to want to swim in the hot tub. So, but I would say for a four month old baby, turn it down to 90, 91. Okay. I love that you give options because you're right. So many people have different access to water. So there's many options for them to get in it. The thing is with the hot tub, which a lot of people actually have access to, especially here in Canada, uh, the thing is with the hot tub is that we're able to teach a toddler to swim in a hot tub until they're like two, three years old, because all we need is depth. If as long as I can teach a child to stay under the water for a long period of time, which is depth, that's what matters to me more than length. Because length, a two-year-old isn't swimming across a 25-meter pool anyways. So even if we have two meters of length, at least we can teach them to submerge all the way deep, pop up, take a breath, maybe flip on their backs, submerge deep again, go and grab the wall. There's so many things that we can do. So a hot tub is actually an incredibly amazing thing to utilize if you have access to one and you don't have access to a pool. Plus, you can swim in it all year round, which yeah, is really cool. That's so good to know. I really appreciate that you put an emphasis on the safety of water. So how do you teach children to both love the water and know that the water is fun, but also to respect the strength of the water? Well, I think that that's where the submersion comes into play and, and teaching them all about breath control, teaching them how to be calm and be able to control their movements and their reactions in the water. They basically teach themselves though. Like if you think about it, the more I submerge a child, the more self-aware they are on how long they will keep their breath held and how long they can stay underwater, how far a certain target is. You know, if I tell them, okay, swim from here to the other side of the pool, they're going to tell me no, because they're not capable of doing it. They know what their limits are. Um, as soon as you start to teach them how to go under the water, but I feel like a dangerous perspective, I guess, would be for a child that isn't taught submersion and doesn't really touch the water very often because they don't know what the water is capable of. Whereas a child that does submerge often and is very much experienced in the water, or they may not even know how to float yet or swim yet, or it doesn't matter the age. But I think that the more they go under the water and they, they feel that feeling of, you know what, sometimes feeling like you're trapped and not being able to breathe and they have to recover from that. That's a very uh, good way of teaching a child their boundaries. So exposure, I think is everything. And the most dangerous thing is to not expose the child to different submersions and uh, actually getting into the water and feeling what it feels like to be under it. But yeah, I mean, safety, there's, there's huge emphasis on that. Obviously every parent is worried of things that are sometimes inevitable. Um, and drowning can sometimes be really hard to prevent. Um, 
but there's a lot of little safety tricks that parents can do to educate their kids. But at the end of the day, it is up to the parent to make sure that their child is within arm's reach when you're in the water, that there is a gate around the pool, like those types of things. That is from a parent's perspective, but from a child's perspective on how they can train themselves to be safe, it takes, it's all about exposure and exploration. Well, yeah, and, and definitely a touchy subject there, but the the self-rescue lessons, like, can you talk to us a little bit more about that and when that would be a good fit or not, depending on the learning stage? I mean, self-rescue, there are a lot of swim schools that talk about how they teach children to self-rescue, but there's a lot of practices that are, there can be some practices of teaching that self-rescue that are great and that are patient and methodical um, and that work with the child's input and the way that they're feeling. But there are some practices that are very aggressive that do not pay attention to the child's feeling or, or the way that they're progressing in the water, they're not, they're not really attuned to that. The, the word rescue is the thought is the child gets into the water to save their own life and to prevent themselves from drowning. I don't believe in that method of learning how to swim. I believe in the method of instead of it be self-rescue, you just know how to breathe and you know how to be independent in the water because a child to me should never be in the mindset of that they have to save themselves in the water. There should be no level of survival that they have to feel like they have to do in order to be alive. Do you know what I mean? If ever a child feels as though they're going to die, that is a very traumatic experience. So to train a child to feel like they can die if they're in water and have to try to save themselves repeatedly. I feel as though that is a traumatic way of teaching them to swim. Um, and so I think that the way certain swim schools use the word self-rescue and they do it, like I said, calmly and patiently, maybe just the wording needs to be a little bit different. And it's just teaching the child to love the water and swim and be able to breathe and be independent. Um, but then if there are certain programs that are very focused and stringent on self-rescue because the child needs to survive in the water, I think the mindset um, probably doesn't work with the intention, I guess, of the parent that's trying to get their child to learn how to swim. I don't really have any recommendations as to when you would want your child to go into a program that focuses on self-rescue. I think it's more so determining as a parent what you want and what the outcome is, what the goal is for your child with the water. Do you want your child to self-rescue or do you want your child to love the water and be independent in it? You very much validated my feelings with that answer. So thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> And I adore everything you say, but I adore that you say that people should get into the water with their kids. We say that about like everything that kids are explored. If you do it with your kids and if you are the one doing it, then they're just naturally going to want to follow along. And then it is a family experience. But I mean, obviously I'm saying that from a point that I know how to swim, so I can get in the water with my kid. But when would you suggest swim lessons versus just getting in the water with your kids and just going to have a good time and experiencing it? Because like you said, a lot of it is them submerging and kind of learning on their own too. That's such a great question because I don't actually know the answer to that. I think it's dependent very much on the parent's confidence in being able to teach their own child in the water. I don't know what it feels like to be a parent that doesn't know how to swim that taught their child to swim. So I 
I'm not sure how confident a parent and how successful a parent can be in getting their child to swim for long periods of time and be under the water and then move into like the technical aspect of swimming. So, I mean, I would say that it's 100% possible to teach your child uh, to swim all the way up until the point where you have to start teaching them techniques. So like front crawl and back crawl and streamline and side breathing and all of that that is where you would go and join a, a swim school. And then they would teach those, those aspects to your child, because those are, and that's the boring stuff. That's not the fun stuff. That's like going to school, but being able to swim with your child and go under the water with them is a large part of teaching them how to swim and how to love the water. If you can't go under the water with them, that's where it gets to be a little bit tricky, but at the same time, a swim school should also be able to teach the parent how to go underwater. Like that's all breath control to me. So I feel like if a parent doesn't know how to swim, they want to teach their toddler to love and swim in the water. Then the parent should also be doing the same activities that the child is doing to then grow and learn and explore just like their child, their child will end up feeling the water and swimming way better than the parent will be at the same time. They, they won't progress at the same level, but at least the parent starts to gain the confidence that they have in knowing how the child feels when they're being submerged underwater. So I think that it is completely possible to teach a child to swim up until the fact that um, they need to maybe start stroke development. So after popping up to breathe a few times in a row, they're able to keep their head underwater. They're swimming deep at the bottom of the pool. They're able to flip onto their back. Okay, now they're all good at that. They're completely independent. Now we can throw them into a, a group swimming lesson. They can do any strokes or technique. Okay, amazing. It is so cool that with swimming, you are the most present you could ever be because you are literally in the water with your kid. There's no other distractions you have to be fully zoned in on them. So that's something that I think people could really appreciate about getting in the water versus sitting on the sidelines. So we live on a lake in the summer, which I told you about. So that's why I was really like, okay, we got to know, <laughs> we got to know how to swim. And we have a fence up and we have very strict rules that either my husband or I are like the designated watcher of Collins. Like we know who is watching her at all times when we are on the lake. But as you kind of said, sometimes like the non-swim times or some of these other times are the most concerning times when it comes to water safety. So do you have any tips for people, especially like if they're at a rental property or something that doesn't have a fence around the pool or any of those situations, what are some safety tips for them? Oh, that's really hard because I would never go somewhere that doesn't have a fence around the pool. <laughs> that's you find a lot of rental properties don't because I, I yeah. Yeah, that's, that's tough, man. I, um, you just gotta know where your kid is at all times. Like you really do. Or if there's an alarm on the back door, that is key because then at least, you know, when the door opens and closes, I've heard of terrifying stories of the doggy door, you know, toddlers crawling through the doggy door, don't have a doggy door, right? Like there needs to be some form of barrier, but you also need to educate your kid right? If you're going to go to a rental property that has a pool, you, you need to have been exposed to water before that. Like you can't just like never have taught or been in the water with your toddler and then you, or your baby. And then you go to a rental property and then expect your kid not to be drawn towards that pool of water. It's human nature that children are drawn towards water. It's fun. It's bright. It's colorful. It's, it's wavy, right? You have to expect that your child is going to want to go into that water. So 
I would say that maybe the first thing that you do is go swimming. That's probably the first thing so that you are exposed to being in the water, practice your submersions, get in the water with your kid. And then you go and you, you simply outright say, there's no, you do not get in the pool unless mommy's there. You say no pool, no mummy, no mummy, no pool. And you go back inside and you just have to continuously talk about it. There's no, there's nothing else. There's no, if you don't have a fence and if you don't have a lock and you don't have a door that's separating you from the, the water, you have to educate your child on what the dangers of the water actually is like. And for a child that's nonverbal or young and inexperienced, well, then you have to get in the water and teach them what it's like. And you know, put them under the water a couple times, you know, like show them it's not fun. And if they're leaning over it, see what they're going to do. That's another thing too. That's something I've done with my daughter. Oh, my daughter. She is my God. Firecracker. <laughs> the world needs to be scared of this one, but like she, she is the kind of kid that like you tell her, no, she will do the opposite. She just wants to know why did mommy say no? And so when she was a toddler, um, I keep thinking about Nicaragua. I went to Nicaragua and there was a pool in the backyard. It was the same thing. And to the point where the, the door was like one massive open door to the back door. So it was like, literally there, there was the kitchen and then there was the pool. So, but there was a lot of adults that were there. So my kids were never alone near the water, but I can just imagine the times where she, how many times she reached into the water to go and get a toy you know, and I, and I would stand there and I would watch her reach into the water. I've told her many times and she this close to falling in, it happened once, not in Nicaragua, but it happened once where she fell into the water and she had to save herself and come back to the side of the pool. And she was kind of freaked out by it, but watching her do it and then see what the, her reaction would be, knowing that the reaction might be that she falls into the water, like what your reaction has to be to that outcome, that that would be a great way to also test the boundaries and see exactly how far your children will go to wanting to explore into the water without you being there. I don't know if that was a good answer, Lauren. I, I, <laughs> no, that is such a good tip. I'm asking this for everyone listening, but also super selfishly. <laughs> so yeah. Collins is definitely like Zoe, like she's, she's a firecracker yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. And that's the thing is that they're just curious that she's going to be a scientist, right? Like she's just curious. She wants to know what the outcome would actually be instead of you can tell me no all you want, but that doesn't tell me what's actually going to happen. It's actually going to happen. You're going to fall in the water. You're going to get water in your nose. You know, panic and then you're not going to have anybody around to help you so you're going to have to figure it out and get back to the wall by yourself that's what the outcome is <laughs> yeah. and they just have to see it they have to experience it, have to experience <laughs> it. so how often should kids be getting in the water to practice i understand that it might be tough because of the access to water but what would your advice be i mean once a week which is so doable in canada i mean maybe i talk about canada too much i i, I shouldn't um because there's a whole other world outside of canada i use canada as an example because we don't have that much access to water in the winter so it's just from my experience of, of being a mother of two young kids i have always made sure that it was possible that I would go to a municipal pool even twice a month. If I missed a weekend, it was fine. Whatever, we're doing something on a weekend, that's cool. But then next weekend, I'll just make sure we're there for an extra half an hour or we go down the water slide two extra times or something. You know what I mean? So twice a month, max is how much you have to wait it out. Like once every two weeks would be great. Any less than that, the kids start to lose their feeling for the water. Okay. Okay, good to know. And that's what I loved when Collins was so small and easy to get in the bathtub. Because when you were like, just fill up the tub anytime, any day in practice. <laughs> I know this is a big topic, but you can just answer as 
briefly as you want to. Can you give us a quick rundown of your take on personal flotation devices or light jackets? Because I, I know a little bit about this from you, but people should not be using them as a replacement of adult supervision. So, oh, 1000%. I can't even, that's not even a thing. To, oh, oh, it irks me. It irks me tremendously. A life jacket is used to save your life if you fall unconscious off of a boat. It's not meant to be used to learn how to swim. It's one thing to expose yourself to wearing a life jacket and getting in water to feel what it feels like to float, right? That's one thing. But it's a complete, you only need to do that like once in your life. Just know what it feels like. That's it. But you don't need to learn how to swim by using a flotation device because it defeats the whole purpose of learning how to swim. You can't learn how to swim if something is swimming for you, right? So it's very different. It's not like using those skates and then they have the things on the skates where it, it stops you from falling side to side. It's not like that. It's, it's almost like it's almost like if you have a flotation device on your body and you go into the water and you don't know, first of all, the first thing you need to do is learn how to breathe. And usually when you put a flotation device on, it's because the adult that's around you is not confident in teaching someone else how to breathe around water. And so the child will not learn how to breathe very well, they might get water in their face. And then the reaction is to keep their chin above the water the whole time. And then they're not able to actually feel what it feels like to float on the water because they didn't learn how to submerge. And then they, even if they did submerge, they did put their face in the water, something else is helping them stay up. So as soon as you remove that life jacket or that flotation device, when the child gets back into the water and they think that they can swim, they're going to jump off the side of that step and then they're not going to know how to swim and they don't know what it feels like to be independent and bad things can happen. And so it's like a false sense of security. You know what I mean? So I just feel like I obviously I'm very passionate about this, but I feel like the best way to teach your child to swim is to get in the water with them and just hold them by the underarms and face them towards you or hold them by the underarms and face them away from you. And you become their flotation device because you're, the pressure in your hands and the strength in, in how you're holding them can be removed or placed, right? Like you can, you can change the level of pressure you have in the way that you're holding the child. So the lighter your fingertips are, the more independent the child will be, whereas a flotation device doesn't change in pressure. It doesn't change in the assistance, that level of assistance. So it's either you have something helping you swim or you have nothing helping you swim. And that's a very scary thought for anybody that's learning how to swim with a flotation device is what happens if I don't have this on me. Whereas the parent, if they are holding their child, it's, it's a completely different experience. It's a bond of trust. It's not necessarily a, a, a bond of life or death. Right. And that's the same for puddle jumpers and everything too, right? What do you think about people having those on their kids when they're around the pool? Or do you think that's kind of, again, the same false sense of security? It's the same thing. To me, it's the same thing. I don't know. I feel, hi, Collins. I feel like she's a, she walks now. I know. <laughs> she's so big now. Like a human being. Um, sorry, Lauren, I got distracted. Uh, I feel like uh, for a puddle jumper, even like when you're around the beach, when you're on the beach and you're wearing the puddle jumper, if you're around the pool and you're wearing the puddle jumper, what happens if the child reaches into the pool and then they fall in the pool and then the puddle jumper saves them? Like, I just feel like, what's the point? If you have a puddle jumper, shouldn't a parent be watching you at all times so that if you fall into the pool, a traumatic situation doesn't happen to the child, even with a puddle jumper on? So I, 
I think that that is to each their own 100%. I wouldn't put a puddle jumper on my kids, but that's because I'm very confident around water. And I taught my children how to do the same thing. But uh, there are parents that might, you know, have multiple kids. They have three or four kids that they're watching, maybe putting a puddle jumper on their kids when they're around the pool and they're told not to go into the water until mommy's there. That's a totally different thing. So maybe that's something that most parents would have to think about for sure. Um, But yeah, being in the water with your kids with a puddle jumper on to me defeats the purpose of learning how to swim 100%. Okay. Thank you for all that. And I do need to share a really good tip that you gave me that people can learn through your swim school as well is I wear a t-shirt now whenever I'm in the water with clowns, because then she can grab onto my t-shirt and that helps as me being her personal flotation device. That is such a good point. That is a really good tip. It's a, that's an amazing tip. Actually, yeah, the, the t-shirt is is the best, especially if you have more than one child. So I use the t-shirt a lot when my daughter was like between 10 months and now even um, because my other child would be swimming under my legs and around me and then he would need to take a break and I'm standing in the middle of the pool. And so he would just come grab my shirt and he would grab my shirt and stand on my knee. And then my daughter is jumping off my knee and swimming around me. And then she would come and grab my shirt. So it kind of freed up my hands a little bit. So I'm not always having to hold my kids. They, they would be able to be more independent because they just had the shirt as though it was like this top step or a ledge, right. To just be able to grab onto and then stand on my knee. But yeah, the shirt is genius. It's a very good thing. Even if you have a rash guard or a bathing suit that just has a higher neckline that the child can just grab onto and that you're not so scared of, you know, flashing the world. But I feel like that it's just anything to grab onto is helpful. I've learned so much on today's podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Incredible information. Do you have anything else you'd like to share? Any other tips that you want to share with us today? I don't know. I just, I can talk forever about swimming. I have a lot of words, (laughs) but yeah, starting, I think the biggest tip is start as young as possible and be part of the experience with your child. Um, Because if you are, then your child will just have no choice, but to learn to love the water because there's no psychological aspect that's impeding their, their ability to do so. So that would be my biggest tip and be the calm for them. Cause you also taught me that (laughs) hundred percent. You were definitely nervous. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was so nervous at first submerging her in what for a while. So you help me be like, if you're calm, she'll be calm. So so thank you for all you're doing. Let's take a second for you to plug all the places people can find you in your swim school. Oh my goodness. Um, I want to say Instagram, of course, uh, Facebook and TikTok, Twitter, maybe. I don't think Twitter. Okay. <laughs> It's like, I'll check because I'll link them all up in our show notes. So I'll check if you're on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great if you can check that, but I have a feeling we're not on Twitter. Um, And then obviously we have a website. So it's uh, watermellow.com. Perfect. I'll confirm that for the show notes too. (laughs) That would be great. That's awesome. And we end all of our shows with three questions. So in the last few months, what was your best purchase under hundred dollars? Okay. I wrote down my house plant. I don't shop a lot. I'm actually a really bad shopper, <laughs> but I bought like three house plants at the florist down the street and um, they're still alive. So I feel like that's a sign, right? What kind of plants are they? I don't know. They're big and they're, they're green. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Can you share a book, show, or podcast recommendation right now? 
Yeah, well, I like Mitch album. Um, I re- I read the book Finding Chica a couple years ago, and it's definitely stuck with me. So I just bought his new book. Um, I got it for Christmas. Actually, it's called The Stranger in the Lifeboat. I'm halfway through. It's just a it's a very inspiring and it's very thoughtful. The 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 way Mitch album writes. So I would say that it would be my recommendation. Great. If there was no time limit or money limit, where would you travel or explore next? I thought initially it was like in. Indonesia and Asia, but then I thought about Africa because I have always wanted to be on the safari. My husband is from Egypt, so we would hang out with family there a little bit, but yeah, that would be the best place is to go to Africa for like three or four months and just hit it up. That sounds incredible. (laughs) Thank you very much for being on our show today. It was extremely insightful and I learned a lot about swimming. (laughs) Thanks for sharing your passion with us. No, thank you for having me. It was the most fun. And thank you for listening to me ramble and ramble and ramble. So thank you. I can have you on three more times and ask all the questions. So (laughs) (laughs) thanks for coming on. Thank you. No problem. I'll see you later, guys. Thanks for adventuring with us. Please subscribe and share your love by reviewing our podcast with five stars and follow us over at Kids Who Explore on Instagram and all other social media platforms. This podcast is produced by KP Media Productions.